If I say it, you're going to laugh. But actually, in my life, I think this was like a silent assassin. Whenever I wanted to do a big leap in my life or a big goal, this thing would just like shoot at me and go, no, 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 you're not going to do it, dude. You're not going to do it. Welcome to Happy Millionaire, a show about how to make profit with a positive impact and stay happy along the way. I want to talk about co-founders, right? So I'm in a bit of a unique scenario because it's not like I've got an idea of a company or an idea or a business and I want someone to go with me on the journey. I've done a lot of the legwork. Little recap, six years ago, started as a passion project. I've done podcast books, TV shows, built the brand, built the newsletter audience, built a trusted sort of resource for a lot of people. And now I'm like, an addition to that existing brand is now the tech company with the app. And the aspiration is to become that like headspace for healthy eating, right? I've been thinking about getting a co-founder for a long time. And the reason why, if I'm being honest with myself, is because I'm, I'm experiencing that loneliness of being a sole founder. And there is only so much that an employee can come with you on that journey without actually having like skin in the game. And having a co-founder is someone that I feel can experience all that journey with me. But the stakes are high. In the same way, you know, if you're starting a company from scratch, the stakes are really high because it could be a good marriage, a bad marriage, you could waste years. It could be ugly in terms of like lawsuits. My scenario is sort of different because I've done a lot of the legwork over the last few years and anyone that comes on board is gonna have half the house built already. So I wanted to ask your opinions on like, not just the good and bad of having a co-founder, but also unique to my scenario because I selfishly want your opinion. Yeah, your situation is super unique, right? If you look back on any startup data or new business data, like most businesses are created with two, three, four people, right? Mm. The most successful businesses, something like only 15% of those businesses were done with one founder. Most of them were done with two founders, three founders. Facebook had many founders. I know mm. Mark Zuckerberg's the face, but there was actually many founders, right? Same thing with like, Apple. You know, Steve Jobs gets all the um, recognition, but you know Steve Wozniak was there as well. Same with Microsoft. Like Most businesses are done with multiple founders. And the second bit of data is like, yeah, where do you find that founder, right? Yeah. They usually people that you met at college or university, that's probably the case with most of the ones I've mentioned, right? They all met actually in the dorm rooms or they met during work. You know, you're in a very unique situation because, you know, you were a doctor, right? You didn't, you weren't surrounded by tech people because I think you're looking for a technical co-founder as well because you're, you're essentially very good at commercial, marketing. So you're looking for someone who's more technical. So yeah, you're either going to meet them at college or at work or maybe through your friend circle, right? Mm. Um, and like, that's probably where you're like to find yours. So your situation reminds me of um, actually Instagram, right? So Instagram was founded by a guy called Kevin Sistrom. Mm. Um, hopefully I said his surname right, but you know, he bought on a CTO, a technical co-founder a bit later. And you know, information's out there, right? Yes, Instagram sold for a billion dollars to Facebook, and the founder kept 90% and then he gave his CTO 10%, right? You can argue it should be more or some people may say less, but you know, let's just use that as an example, right? That person did join on a bit later. So, you know, after there's money raised and there was a platform. So the question is like, do you want to bring on a technical partner as like, yes, as a leader, so someone who runs that department or do they have the co-founder title? Mm. In my mind, and this is a question for you is like the doctor's kitchen. Do you bundle everything together? Do you put the books, the brand, the podcast? Because in my mind, you're already making, you know, you've said it on another podcast, you're making hundreds of thousands of pounds from there. And now you've got this new app, which is like a new product, right? Do you bundle yeah. it all as one? 
right? Or do you separate the tech product, right? Because that's what a lot of people do. If you look at like people, I don't know, for example, like Joe Wicks or chefs like Gordon Ramsay and Jamie Oliver. He had his restaurants different. I think like Deliciously Ella, she's got, I'm sure they've separated their branding items and their app. Because in my mind, the app's its own entity, right? So I think question one is like, for you personally, do you bundle it all as one or do you keep the tech bit separate? Like where, where's your head at with that? To make me comfortable, I'm separating out those two businesses. So the personal brand, Dr. Rupee, is going to be books yeah. and podcast. And then Doctor's Kitchen, which is the app, but also that will have the potential to grow into like cloud kitchens, physical uh, spaces like cafes, also D2C products, in-store yeah, yeah. products, supermarket okay. products, all that kind of stuff. That's all like Doctor's Kitchen. So th there's actually a lot bigger potential in the brand, the Doctor's Kitchen, than there is the personal brand, but the personal brand currently is bigger. But I'm more comfortable separating out. And to use two different analogies uh, or like parallels to explain why, Jamie did that, which is why when the restaurant sort of sector of the business went down, everything else was sort of accounted for separately. So the publishing element of the business and the media mm. side of the business, that was all separate. And then Joe Malone is another good example because when Joe Malone sold, she essentially gave her name to the business, Joe Malone candles and like perfumes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't want to get in a position where let's say Doctor's Kitchen is sold to I don't know, Unilever or Nestle or a pharma company or something like that. And then Dr. Rupi is sort of bundled into that. I don't I don't want that to happen. So the second question then, okay, so if it is separated, right, then the question is, do you hire like a, a CTO essentially who manages all the technical operations? The Dr. Kitchen app, you can go in there, you can see recipes based on your requirements. It's a great app, but then you've also got these DTC products. So technically the person you're looking for needs to have, I guess, all these experiences, right, from a technical perspective. So they've probably done app development and they've also got some experience in like selling products within physical stores right yeah like having dtc experience so it's quite a unique experience but you know that person does exist i'm sure we can think of examples the question then is yeah do you hire a co-founder so they're a full partner side by side do you can have these deep hardcore conversations or do you just hire someone and then you know in that situation when you hire someone you may give them a few percentage points or you bring a co-founder and you might give you know 10 percent and more right if you're asking me what i would do I would definitely choose the co-founder. Therefore, you have got someone who's side by side with you and you can have those really hard, mm. shitty conversations and the good ones. Like what people don't realize on the outside, startups are really, really tough. Yeah, there's some people that go, yeah, it's like startups are like eating glass, right? That's the classic one. I think the better one is startups are basically like going into the sea with someone and you're literally getting your head dunked in and you're basically drowning for about two minutes, holding your breath and you suddenly get lifted back up. You're my partner and we've both done the same thing and I head dunk for two minutes. I go, oh yeah, Rupert, do you remember? It went up your nose first and it came out that, yeah, I've got this little trick, like, you know, or like, hey, that was really weird. And like, you might have gone through, actually, I did this. It's like, just to have that chat of like these really shitty situations that happen to us is honestly priceless. I'm blessed to do it with my brother. I'm just mm. very, very lucky. We have our conversations and we're both very different, but it was like a two line thing, right? We were both equal, but at the same time, okay, from certain decisions, he reported into me, but we were both equal, right? So I feel like that's the relationship that I believe is the right one because otherwise, yeah, it's going to be very lonely and, you know, they won't be naturally feeling it's theirs. Like there's no, the co-founder title is one of those weird things where like if it's on someone's title, like, they just embody it. It's like us humans, in a way, I don't like labeling, but actually this mm. labeling in this one does work out quite well because it's yeah. like, they feel it's their baby as well. So I feel the co-founder route is the right one because the journey's just starting for you, dude. Like you've just, it's like you're six months in. This journey's gonna be five, 10 years. Like yeah, yeah. this is a long journey. So to have 
don't look at it as like a short, this is someone that you're basically getting married to, right? Mm. For a good period of time. So in my mind, it's exactly like dating. Um, you're trying to find that right person and, you know, hopefully you get into a relationship with them. Yeah, I think like there's um, there's a few analogies with like Headspace, right? So Andy Puddicombe is the founder of Headspace. He's the voice that you hear on the app and all the rest of it. Yeah. But he's very much like, if you ask most people on the street, who's Andy Puddicombe? They'll be like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. If you ask them, have you heard of Headspace? Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, no, of course I've heard of Headspace. So his co-founder, I believe was technical. And that's sort of the skill set that I'm lacking at the moment. I'm a little bit more sort of brand wary, marketing wary, content wary. It's probably strategy as well like as i've just picked up a few things but the the other commercial aspects of like d2c and optimizing web pages and all that kind of stuff like that's that's just not me and also just sticking with headspace as like a parallel they've also gone into things beyond apps themselves so like physical experiences mm. uh they've also done like series on like netflix and all that kind of stuff so there are some like similarities beyond just the app side of things that the co-founders have obviously like had to had to sort of navigate so yeah, that, that's basically where I'm at. From, from let's say like uh, someone listening to this or someone out there who who is technically gifted, uh, who you know knows how to build things themselves or attract the right people, the right people on the bus, so to speak, that's going in the right direction, right? So the, the right hires, the right network, and all that kind of stuff. Is it more attractive yeah. for someone in today's day and age to start something from scratch, from an idea on a piece of paper that you're chatting with someone over coffee about, or yeah, yeah. is it more attractive to go to a half-built house and you know help them build a mansion out of it? You'll find that out there is people that love building stuff from scratch and there's stuff that actually people like building when there's something there. The person you're looking for can hopefully code right like can help build technology can still because so in my mind you want someone who can still do the work you don't want that person who's just going to manage and build a team out and like not understand what's going on there so in my mind you're looking for someone who actually doesn't enjoy actually building from like scratch they're actually in that phase where they're a bit more they, they prefer when something's been built and yes there's loads of those really it's about finding someone who's also like passionate about your space yeah right? i think that's important but the most important in all this, dude, and like, you need to have values aligned, right? It's someone who really is in line with how you are thinking. Because when you build a company, you need to have the certain things that are important to you, like, you know, how you want to help others, how you want to operate. But at the same time, also, how you see this business. So some people just want to have a small exit, do something quite small. There's nothing wrong with people like, you know, wanting to build have a little store, like small hairdressers or a small store. Some people want to build this, you know, billion dollar business. So I think the... You know, those are other factors um, as well to think about. But yeah, there are definitely people that will be pumped to, to to join you guys. I'm also thinking about how do I approach people? Let's say there's a network out there, you know, there's like YC Combinator, uh, a co-founder board. There's a whole bunch of like, you know, working startup like Reddits and, and all that kind of stuff. There are sort of like places where you can post these sort of opportunities. But how do you actually promote yeah. this as something that's attractive and also the other thing that i don't have any experience of yeah. is like vetting whether this person is legit at their skill set yeah, do you yeah. know what i mean like it's like me it's like you trying to vet whether 
uh, a doctor is legit or not or knows their stuff with having no background knowledge about healthcare whatsoever. I could like, if you if you told me, oh yeah, this doctor told me this and I'd be like, mate, you need to get another doctor. A good example, actually. So um, when I was at America, my best man who you met on the stag, he went to a doctor's because he had like a little rash on, he, on his hand and he was freaking out about it because everyone in America is like hypochondriacal about stuff. And he went there and then they gave him like, all these scripts, all these different medications, one of which was for a strong anti-inflammatory tablet. That's the same tablet that we give for like, you know, uh, asthmatic exacerbations. And like, you know, if you're having a flare up of your multiple sclerosis, like it's gave him the same tablet and a whole bunch of other things. And I had one look at it and I was like, dude, this rush is minor. Take this cream for five days, see how it goes. And then, uh, but, but throw all the rest of that away. That's not good for you. He has no idea. He's not. He's not a medic himself. So he he has no idea. So I'm in that same position. I'm Jay, going to a, a random doctor who's given me, you know, and I'm trying to figure out whether the prescription I'm being offered is actually legit or not. Like, and this is why it's so great to have lots of friends in different areas, right? Like now that you know me, I could potentially vet that person, but actually I'd probably get my brother or one of my CTO friends to vet that person, right? So how I believe should happen, like, you know, if you are a, a startup co-founder and yes, you're trying to find someone who you're now trying to interview something you don't know, your main job, Rupee, is to interview that person and figure out the value side and their ambition. Don't focus on the technical piece because, yes, you, you you don't know what to ask there. Yeah. Well, you may do, but you just don't have the experience, right? And that's cool. Are you both compatible to go on this journey together, right? I sound like a marriage counsellor, but yeah, like, basically, you know, that is really... No, but it is. It's generally like that. And... The, then you then get your friends to then do the more technical tests. So, for example, whenever I want to hire a technical person for one of my companies, yes, I don't I don't do it. I do the first vet on like culture fit and the values fit, etc. And then I get someone else to do the other tests. And those guys will do a technical test. So I really do believe you have to do a technical actual physical test, like something online. If it's any technical job, there should be some form of like real technical test that you do. And there's a questions like, so something a bit more theoretical and like situational tests in that technical aspect. So there's two tests. I think sometimes I see people only do one of those tests, but you actually got to do both those tests. And then you're in charge of the other culture values test. So all of those together, and then also massively part, massive part is references. Um, it's super underestimated. Like the problem is right now we, you know, it, the, the most standard thing is that people do references and you get given these references. So like they are literally like planned seeds of people you're going to call. And like, yeah, they're fucking amazing. So good. Yeah, yeah, so like, yeah. They're good. Like carry on doing those. But your, your goal is to find that the hard stuff from those conversations. But, you know, backdoor references are usually the best route. I can tell you right now in Screen Loop, which is actually one of my companies, and like we do, like we help businesses on references, and like it's shocking that most businesses don't do references. Like honestly, it's really mental. Like you find out, yeah. So like you know, you're expected to do like three, four reference on each person. Most businesses either do none or maybe one, and they may do two because right now in a market where like candidates just go off, like you know, they come off the market so quickly, so they just go off. You know, as a reference, we did one, that's enough. So I think that's one of the most underrated things as well. So reference is another part. So in my mind, like, yeah, that's like the step-by-step structure mm. on how to find it. I guess the question then is just like, yeah, where is this person? And that's Where is this person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll keep you updated on that. I'm going to put some callers out. I did actually put some in my newsletter the other day. I was like, literally, I'm looking for this kind of person. I think at the part time, I specified product manager. So it was more like an employee role. But I guess what I, I'm hoping yeah. for because of the whole sort of like, not just the loneliness element of it, but I, I feel like it would be good to have like a, a partner in crime. Yeah. And also like le- leaning into the the sort of like 
the happiness element of running a business. One of the best things is like doing, like this podcast, for example, doing stuff with people you love and like have jokes with. Like if you can curate, yeah. the whole point of like starting your own business is not just to make money, it's to do things on your own terms. And one of the terms that I want to have is like making sure I'm happy and I'm doing stuff that I'm passionate about every single day. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, curating that that group of people around you or that person that you can sort of like go through the ups and downs with would be, would be awesome. So yeah, that's sort of like the reasoning as to why. Business is like, in my mind, it's not a one-player game. It's a multiplayer game. Like, honestly, to do it with my brother is incredible. Like, I've got other co-founders and, uh, you know, everyone's, like, all my co-founders are great. But I'm just using the example of my brother. But, like, you know, the memories we've now got, like, together mm. from certain moments of, like, I don't know, raising money to, like, really challenging situations to mo moments that we solve together. Like, they're now, like, some of our best memories, right? And yeah. now you've got them together. It's the same thing, like, you know, again, like, relationship. It's better you know, you may go out with someone and it doesn't work out. You still got those memories, but the ones like, you know, right now with you and Rochelle, all these incredible memories that you now have, they're together. They're so much better like doing it with someone you love and yeah. with them all the way rather than by yourself or, you know, to have that one person you can always go back to. It's like, I believe that's what life's about. It's about having these amazing experiences with people you love, which is what you've said. And, mm. you know, I think our goal right now is to help find that, find your partner for the co-founder side and if you listen to this and you know me Rippy's awesome so please, please please do ping me message me or message him you know we've got to put it out there right and another thing is go on the Y Combinator match um, platform they've got that so Y Combinator is a great accelerated program and you can find people there you can post on the different places maybe even put it um, with a recruiter just pay like I know recruits can be expensive and be like 15-20% fee but like you know, it might be worth it. I think you've just got to put all the feelers out, dude. I think that's my advice. Like there is in life and um, we're going to talk about probably, I know we're going to talk about a dating topic today, but you know, it actually is very similar. I believe there's like fate, right? And there's this, there's fate. And then there's also effort, like smart effort. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's, um, we'll bring up this topic again and we'll discuss the progress. And if we have to up the buttons like literally when a ferrari have to go to the next gear let's do it and but we'll find that person for you yeah sick yeah yeah i think i, I need to do some more thinking around it as well but i'll keep you up to date with that um we've got a list what's next so yeah this is a this is a topic that i was like should i bring it up because i think it's one of those ones it's actually quite a personal one and it's like one that's been definitely this thing's been eating at me throughout most of my life. I didn't realize, I only realized it a few years ago. It's some, it's like a syndrome uh, I'm suffering from. Hey guys, I wanna take a quick break to thank you for listening to Happy Millionaire. We continue to grow because of the ratings and reviews we get. So if you haven't taken a minute to leave a review on Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts, I'd really appreciate if you could. Your ratings and reviews mean so much to me. Thanks for being such a big part of the show's success. We're making the show for you to help you be or become a happy millionaire. So now let's get back to the show. If I say it, you're gonna laugh, you're gonna say, oh my God, dude, this is, it sounds funny. But actually like in my life, I think this was like a silent assassin. Like literally whenever I wanted to do a big leap in my life or a big goal, like this thing would just like shoot at me and go, no, 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 you're not gonna do it, dude. You're not gonna do it. So it actually has impacted my happiness. Like I it's just something that has slowly been eating at me. Yeah, it's like it came when when I stepped down as CEO, like people thought I was crazy. Like I wanted to leave my job as CEO of a successful company to go do something else. This thing came in then and started shooting at me. Doing this podcast, like, um, you know, I was very scared. Like this thing, again, just kept on poking at me. And in my mind, it's like, 
the most extreme level of like anxiety. Whenever I have a big decision to have, like my mind just goes off on one, right? So let's take the example of this podcast, right? Like my mind just goes off on one where it starts feeling that like everyone is watching me because if I make this step, everyone will start watching me or start questioning me. And there's like this barrage of people, like literally like the paparazzi, like, I don't know, I'm like this like small Justin Bieber dude walking around, right? Like, and like literally this paparazzi, they're going, what the hell are you doing? What the hell are you doing? Or it's like, you go on a stage, um, like imagine you go to like a theater show and like, it's all pitch black and like, I'm right at the front and I've got this massive light beaming mm. on me. And it's like, everyone's about to start questioning or watching what I'm about to do. Like, so I'm just like scared to make a decision. And so this syndrome is called spotlight syndrome. It's called spotlight syndrome. So basically, whenever you're about to make a big decision in life, it's like you have this massive spotlight on you and everyone's watching and you're just thinking, oh, you know what, I can't be bothered for that. Like, this just seems so stressful. I have to deal with, like, not even my friends, my mom, my dad, my questioning all these decisions and why am I doing it? It's just like the whole world is now watching, right? So then I just buckle up. I just crawl into a ball. I'm just like, you know what, I can't be bothered. So this thing, I realised, and I've been researching it, it's called spotlight syndrome and, like, I don't know, this is why I've suffered and I've read into it, so I've got some solutions around it. But I don't know, have you felt this or can you relate to what I'm talking about? Massively, dude. Uh, first off, kudos to you for like saying it out loud and, and being vulnerable about it because I think most people would like read your bio or like listen to you speaking on previous pods and like this guy's raised hundreds of millions, you know, he's got three plus companies, tech entrepreneur, super experienced, got offices around the world and all that kind of stuff speaks on massive stages has like hundreds of employees if not thousands like how does this <laughs> guy have spotlight syndrome or whatever yeah. it's called i haven't come across it before but everyone sort of uh will experience that when they do things to different degrees and i've certainly had that myself the thing that's helped me through it is the bare reality that no one gives a shit as much as you think people give a shit and that yeah. exists across the whole spectrum as to whether it doesn't matter if you're an A-list celebrity or like some minor brer who's just started a podcast. No one gives a shit as much as you think people give a shit. And I've had this thing as well. It's like, you know, when I go onto a TV show and I'm doing a live cook, what if I say something wrong? Or what if like I embarrass my whole profession? Or what if like someone watching this from the GMC decides to like take action and take my qualifications away from me or my my license to practice you can really build things up in your head because mm. you feel like i'm going to look into the spotlight syndrome you feel like you've got a spotlight on you all the time whereas in reality no one's looking at you and i think there's like this like uh, meme that comes to mind actually like in your 20s you're caring so much about what other people think and your 30s you think something to the nth degree of of that and your 40s or 50s you realize no one really cares and yeah, yeah. Uh, and you wish you remembered that when you were in your 20s. Something to that, I've probably completely bastardized it, but you get the point. Like no one really gives as much of a shit as you think people give a shit. When you remind yourself of that, then you can start having fun. Then you can start yeah, having yeah. a bit more freedom. Like, you know, talking openly on this podcast. Even for me, dude, like, you know, this pod is a release from the chains of doing a podcast that is a lot more seriousness in nature. Like yeah, yeah, I feel sometimes I have to have a certain undertone of seriousness because I'm speaking from the authority of uh, of a medical profession. Sometimes we're discussing quite heavy topics or whatever. So, you know, there, there's less like flex for uh, humor. I still try to inject humor into it. But like here, I can just sort of like be myself. We could talk about topics that are like on my mind and, you know, it's, it's a bit more 
vulnerable, I guess, is the word that comes comes to mind. You, you, you will get over it, but it takes time. I did realize that no one gives a shit, right? I think, you know, as I've been starting to make these jumps and I guess, I guess it's a muscle as well, right? Like, and I'm doing it more, so it becomes a bit easier. But 100% I realized that no one cares. I remember like, yeah, when I stepped down as CEO, yes, there's this one moment when like, I probably had like, probably like, honestly like 50 or 100 people reach out to me. But I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just, you know, this doesn't feel right. It's the next chapter for me. And like, they were like, okay, cool, that's it. Like, there was just like one line back and that was it, right? And maybe like, my parents was probably a bit of a longer conversation, but just one conversation, they got it and moved on. Like, it wasn't that bad. A small amount that actually do care a little bit, but then those conversations are so small that they just get over it because they've got enough stuff going on in their life. They just go, eh, let's forget about it. And I think 100% like that, definitely help well actually like, detecting that loop when it's about to start I'm like oh here we go again Jay yeah you know this better spotlight so it's like I talk to my head like I do talk to myself a little bit I'm like come on Jay I don't really need this loop we know where it is like there is no spotlight you know and care so that's one thing that I've that's really helped me most recently and like I think I always like to just remind remind and I always say this between us and you probably know it I always just say like guys like you know how small we are right in the grand scheme of things right and like everyone now knows the facts right we are like yeah. one of ten billion planets right and we're literally this one little dot spinning around you know we're just so small anyway so like really like come on like me doing this podcast or whatever i'm planning to do or whatever whoever's listening is planning to do like no one's really gonna care yeah as long as you get like you you have some purpose out of it uh like and uh and it's a joyful experience that's that that's the that's the most important thing all right so yeah rupee one more fun topic right so i'm in a very lucky position where i'm working probably less now i had an exit of my business and now i'm like you know in the dating world right so i'm like focus on like meeting people and what i've realized is that the best way or the common way to meet people now is like these dating apps right and you've seen them i know you've used them before and like there's this thing called like dating fatigue right so you just meet loads of people on these apps and you just start feeling a little bit bored like you just you know you start questioning is it going to work but this is the way how you meet people. So therefore, like, you're like, okay, back in the circle. Let's just back be on these apps. So there's like this loop of using these apps, but they're not very good. So I'm curious to ask you, like, obviously you've got, you've met a beautiful partner in Rochelle, like for the people that are listening that are single and, you know, they're trying to find their partner. Like, what would, what's your view? Like, do you feel all these dating apps are the right route? Because it's such a massive decision, right? The person you marry as you know is like probably the most important decision of your life i still remember my dad gave me this one massive ass poster and he left it on my wall when i was young it's a 21 ways to be happier and like number one was um marry the right person 90 percent of your happiness is determined by this like literally it was like first rule so like you know i know this is on people's minds um and even people that are in relationships who may not be in a relationship that they like or so this thought may have come or be is like they're just curious um i don't know if it's married they're like oh what's going on in this dating world now the world's changed so like what what's your view because yeah i'd love to hear it preface i'm not hitch i'm not like a dating expert and like obviously i have dated and i've used apps and that's actually how me and rochelle met was through through an app i think people are becoming a lot more comfortable like ad admitting how they met it's romantic to think that you'll meet someone at like a storytelling event or like yeah. somewhat so-and-so's wedding or whatever but in reality the most efficient way is like to go on apps because you're going to have like the opportunity of, of bumping in to like a random selection of people that you otherwise wouldn't have had access to. The flip side of that is like, it's like a double-edged sword because comparison is the thief of joy. And I can almost liken it to social media, which is where like you go on social media, you're happy and stuff. And then you, you, you see all these sort of like 
people doing better than you or like you start comparing yourself to to what you see and it can chip away at your own happiness and i think you have to use them pretty cognizantly of that you have to be sort of aware of like you know the the downside as well as the good side if i was single today i know you didn't ask me that but like if, if, if i was single today how would i do things differently i don't know man it's a tough one because i haven't really thought about it for like three years me and rochelle have been together for quite a while now yeah i would definitely still be on apps i would definitely be asking for introductions i, I wouldn't do the whole like going to bars thing and like restaurants and stuff i would literally do walks i would do walks all the time i'd i'd, I'd love a walk because i think that's like how you connect with people um and there's some there's some cool games there where you like um you, you, there's like mm. a selection of like questions. I mean, you don't have to go there with a like clipboard or anything, but like there's a selection of questions. It's almost similar to the conversation we're having about co-founders. There's, there's a selection of questions that you can ask someone in a, in a genuine way, like being authentic, that will allow you some insight into whether your values align or not. What's an example of a question? How uh, they feel about universal basic income? I think it's a really good question for me. I'm really interested in that subject. I have opinions on it. I think it's going to become a reality. I think it gives someone a window into like how they actually think about that, like a fair society and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But then you also have to sort of like sense their bullshit detector because everyone wants to say the right thing. I totally agree with what you're saying. Which app was it, by the way? I'm sure people may be curious. Which, wait, let's give them a shout out. Which app did you meet Rochelle on? I used Bumble. I thought Bumble was awesome. Bumble was definitely the one for me. I know everyone's like going on about Hinge yeah, yeah. these days. And I don't know. I, I never actually experienced Hinge. I stayed away from Tinder. Tinder had a bad reputation there. I'm sure, you know what? There are any representatives of Tinder. I'm sure it's all right. Like what I'm finding is that if you, I don't really meet as many people on the apps. And um, you're right on the referral, like people that you know, like you did, you know, actually met someone through you as well before. So I feel that that is a better way if you can meet through your network. So I feel like what's happening right now on the apps and, you know, for anyone who's curious or is on apps, I just feel like because you're meeting so many people as well and on these apps, you are going to be disappointed, right? I've had some cat catfish shit, shit, shit scenarios, which well, we could talk about. I'm like, weird shit has happened to me. Um, but like, I feel that you're you've had some bad experiences. And then what then happens is naturally our memory will then keep that memory and go, oh, the next day it's going to also may have something bad. And like, so what suddenly starts happening, I'm realizing when I sometimes meet women, they've got that feminine energy, it's really warm, loving, and their hearts are open. But sometimes when they're having these dates, I feel like their hearts are sometimes closing as well because they're like, their belief in like finding love is sometimes going so their heart actually closes. And you can sometimes feel it. Like I sometimes feel like when I meet someone, there's this like shield that's come on. Hopefully, you know, I can open up. But sometimes like, you know, they've gone through some really shit dates and I'm like, God, man, this is a lot of work. But I know there's something beautiful. Like, I believe there's something beautiful behind everyone. But it's like, I think that's what this dating fatigue has even done is like it's closed their hearts. And it's like, it's quite sad to see sometimes actually. I think it's like, I don't know if it, you know, I don't know if it's a good thing. No, I, I, I know what you mean. I think it's because they probably had like bad experiences and everyone's, everyone can like, yeah especially if you've been in the dating game for a little while and you've used apps, everyone's got some horror stories of being catfished or like being ghosted or whatever. Like there's a whole sub genre of like yeah, yeah. pissed off men and women from, from, from the experiences of dates and stuff. And I think like your energy as well speaks to a specific person who wants to have their heart open. And so putting yourself in that space is really important for you to mm. find your life partner, if I'm honest. Like, you know, we talked about it before, like how 
you went and 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 did retreats and you know you experienced spirituality and you got into yoga now and like you know you'll find a lot of those people are, are quite open and i think going in there with like genuine curiosity is probably the best strategy for you well you just got to go with the energy and so with me and rochelle she didn't fit the criteria that perhaps my family would have would would have wanted to to see that you know she, she comes from an australian background her parents are abroad you know there's a whole bunch of barriers that we're going to have to contend with because of just the fact that we connected as two individuals but those are okay we can surpass that because the connection that we have is based on something that is a lot more important than all those other attributes that we might have so you know you might be saying to yourself yeah i want to have someone who's between the ages of this and this but actually in reality you might connect with someone who's completely outside those brackets yeah i i think that's probably the, the way you want to be thinking about it man you'll find someone i'm sure and if you don't uncle rupee will uh, make some introductions <laughs> oh, and great. speak to a few families no, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure i'm sure i'm sure it'll work out but yeah good um all right man all right yeah good episode good uh what, what, what were the main takeaways from that so, I'm for you guys to ask. the co-founder one i found that like fascinating so like obviously i've known you both for a long time and what people don't Realize about Rupee, he's a like fucking machine. If you've seen American Psycho, he's like, I wake up at 5 a.m. <laughs> I go to yoga for 20 minutes. Then I go to the gym and do one and a half hours of hit training. I don't have my first coffee before 9 a.m. Because <laughs> uh, he's so much of a machine, he's, he's very good at doing things like by himself. He's very self-sufficient. Whereas like I, I've been working with Jay for a few months and he's also self-sufficient and very capable, but he'll just be like, yeah, let's just hire someone, dude. And from what I understand, even before Bliss Growth got big, like this was your approach. So uh, that, that's one thing just to like, yeah, like it's, it's a risk. And if it doesn't work out, so be it. But at least you, you've tried. I think the listeners are going to like you more than us. <laughs> Genuinely, I love it. I, I think uh, Amit basically turns the 45 minutes of fluff into something <laughs> practical at the end. And yeah. people go, just like, we should just say at the start, like, forget listening to 45, just get right to the end. Listen to Amit's rundown. And that's it. Look up Spotlight Syndrome. Look up co-founders. Like, do this questionnaire. And then, yeah, get on the rest of your day. Catch you on the next one, pal. Loved it, man. That was awesome. We'll get back to the episode in a second. I just want to tell you about something that I've made, especially for the listeners of this podcast. It's my five crucial lessons from creating startups worth $500 million. You can download them from our website, happymillionaire.club. There's a link in the description, so please give it a click. Now, back to the show.